Essential services is one of the 2020 buzzwords that it is very unlikely many of us were thinking about before the global pandemic. But in March, as COVID cases began to spread throughout the U.S., and as businesses and organizations began to shut down, defining what had to stay open became crucial. Heather Bush, the syringe exchange program coordinator for the Utah Department of Health, says she knows the services syringe exchanges provide in Utah are essential, and she's grateful state officials agree. So I contacted the team here in Utah and said, hey, what do I need to do to make sure that syringe exchange stays open, that it's listed as an essential service? And they were just like, whatever, it's an essential service, it's fine. Syringe exchanges are part of the efforts to reduce death and disease related to drug use in Utah. The philosophy behind efforts like these is the idea of harm reduction, that people do risky things whether or not they should, and this means reducing those risks is usually more effective in saving lives than simply expecting people to stop risky behavior. For the opioid epidemic, harm reduction looks like giving people clean needles in exchange for their used ones, or providing naloxone, a drug that reduces overdoses. For COVID-19, it looks like wearing a mask, social distancing, and washing your hands. And so, even though the syringe exchange harm reduction services are essential, these have to be done right now within the pandemic-related harm reduction efforts. Even before there was even really talk of mask or mask mandates, for the county, our providers started wearing masks, and we actually got some donations of disposable masks that they could then give to their clients. Other safety measures include many syringe exchange sites ending hepatitis C and HIV testing because this had to be done in close proximity, while other sites were able to switch to testing methods that allowed for distance. Marks were made on the ground to help people know how far to stand from one another. Contact was reduced as much as possible when providing people items such as syringes, which Bush says they've been distributing more of than ever before. Even though we've been giving out more syringes, providing more services, having more clients, the return ratio has actually gotten better. More people are bringing back their syringes, and so it's really close to one-for-one, one, like the closest we've ever been in the four years we've been doing syringe exchange. With safety measures in place, most exchange sites in the state were able to stay open. But this doesn't mean that everyone's needs are being met or that all the solutions are equitable. For example, helping people access recovery options or social services has become really hard. With this shift of everything moving to online, that basically eliminates everything for our clients because they're not as likely to have access to something like the internet. So where that's, you know, maybe more convenient for some people, it just makes it impossible <laughs> for our clients. And that's that's really frustrating. Like it's it's hard to see somebody who's super willing and wanting to receive some help and not being able to refer them anywhere. Georgia Gregerson is the syringe exchange program manager for the Utah Harm Reduction Coalition. She says she understands the restrictions and wants to make sure clients are kept as safe as possible, but it doesn't change how sad the situation is. Gregerson, who is in recovery herself, says personally and for the other people in recovery she knows, the pandemic has led to very dark times. The kinds of times that make people want to use more substances. The whole source of addiction is usually like this overwhelming sense that like it's not going to be okay. And so to have the world confirm that feeling 
<laughs> like, you know, no, it really isn't going to be okay. Like, really, there is something bad happening. We don't know what's what's going to be the solution and, like, when it's going to be over um, and how we're going to fix it. That's a really scary place for someone who's already driven by a thousand forms of fear, right? But Gregerson says there has been a flip side as she has watched some people get creative in how they connect. For example, while the online meetings may not serve everyone's needs, Mindy Vincent, the founder and director of the Utah Harm Reduction Coalition, says as an additional service, learning how to hold these meetings may be a silver lining of the pandemic. We're going to continue to offer services in the way that they're being offered now, as well as, you know, when we can return to in-person, we will do that. Vincent notes it is already challenging for most everyone to balance things like taking care of themselves, going to work, and parenting. Adding outpatient treatment to the mix can create scheduling issues for many people, but these treatments are necessary for recovery and often court requirements. We have found, though, that through these modalities of treatment, like we're able to help ease some of those burdens, especially the scheduling burdens. We're finding a lot of people are actually more engaged because we're able to tailor it to them. Personally, Gregerson says not being able to fall back on seeing people in person has forced her to become intentional about reaching out to others regularly, something her sponsor has always wanted her to do. It has helped to know, like, that if I don't take ownership over communication and, like, if I don't really take ownership over my recovery, that there aren't those sort of, like, natural processes that I can fall back on that will do it for me. So I think it's actually, in a way, made my recovery stronger because I have to be more of an active participant in it. With Utah Public Radio, I'm Madeline Mortensen.